Stick around for another show you might enjoy here, where imagination meets relaxation, on the Mutual Audio Network. Thanks for listening. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. It is the year 2015, and life has lost all meaning. What once was up is down. What once was right is wrong. And those who dare to make a podcast which subversively reanimates the dead art of radio theater are considered dangerous criminal outcasts. Driven into exile, four pungent brigands risk their lives to broadcast from a South Seas barge crudely fashioned from the disintegrating corpse of an ancient titan and several thousand yards of cooking twine to bring you the triumph the majesty, the sublimity of rude alchemy. Hey there, folks. Before we get started, we just wanted to take a second to announce our Bruff Art Contest winner. It's Oriana Carcienti, who came to us via Twitter. Oriana's artwork was featured as the cover art for our Bruff season finale. If you'd like to see Oriana's beautiful work, as well as the other submissions, visit rudealchemy.com slash bruffart. Thank you, Oriana, from all of us here at Rude Alchemy. And welcome to Rude Alchemy, Chatter and Lore. I'm Andy. I'm Andrew. <laughs> I'm Tom. And I'm, I'm Ryan. <laughs> and we are the creators of Rude Alchemy. This here is Chatter and Lore, and it's that special place where we talk about Rude Alchemy, who we are, why we're doing it, and also we tell some stories that will expand the ridiculous universe we're creating. If this is the first episode of Rude Alchemy you're listening to, thank you, welcome, we're glad to have you, but since this is an opportunity to enhance and expand the world of the series, you might have a better time if you first listen to episodes from our current season. It's called Bruff Tax When Sky Sailor, and the entire first season is available right now on this very feed. Well done, Andy. In this episode of Chatter Woman, we have a very special Bruff story from Tom, as well as a new segment we like to call Narrator Says. Mmm. Yes, indeed. And here we go. Actually, we're going to... Am I hearing that right? Yes. Yes, he's ready? Okay, he's ready. Yeah, We're going to go ahead and, and we're going to go uh, right now. We're going to kick it over via satellite to the narrator um, who is going to, uh, to do this. So what he's going to do is he, we asked our audience to supply uncomfortable things for our beloved narrator to say via the hashtag narrator says. I understand we only received a few, but I'm sure our narrator will make the most of them. Uh, okay, let's go. I think we got him. I think he's there. All right, let's, let's, let's kick it over to the narrator. 
Courtney, Courtney, this isn't, this isn't what I asked for. This isn't what I asked for. I asked for my grandfather's war pick. What? What? What the hell is a satellite? No. All right. Okay. What? 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 what, what what do they have? What, are they, what, what, what do they want me? What? <sighs> breathe. Breathe, narrator. What do they want me to do? Oh, for God's sake. Uh, all right. Uh, you know what? I don't have to. Just give it here. Give it here. Give it here. Okay. Um, narrator here. Welcome, dear friends. Uh, I guess the uh, the writers uh, thought it was a good idea that I, um, you know, interact a little bit. Um, so I guess I have some... Lines to say that came from uh, uh, Twitter, I believe. That's uh, I'm just going to pound this out here because I don't agree with it. <clears throat> this is from Michael Heinemann or Hineman. I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> I am a pretty, pretty princess. Well done, Michael. Do you want me to say it again? I'll say it again for you. I am a pretty, pretty princess. You don't think I haven't said that before, Michael? I am a pretty, pretty princess. All right, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry, Michael. I, I'm so glad you listened to our show, and uh, I just, I just put a, uh, a salve on my sickled foot, and it, uh, it's burning a little bit. So I'm a little caught off guard. So I apologize. I'll say it one more time, with respect. I. I'm a pretty, pretty princess. <laughs> and now we're, uh, let's move, well, uh, what, okay, all right, there's another one? Yeah, okay, well, give it here, Courtney. <laughs> yeah, no, no, we're going to get Chinese later. Yeah. <laughs> lo mein, lo mein, roast pork lo mein, you know it. Can you, oh, wait, 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 no, no, no. Can you see if they, can they add water chestnuts? Water chestnuts, yeah. Little bit of broccoli. Sprinkle a little curry on top of that. Perfect. It's called. It's what I call the narrator special. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. That was funny. Courtney. <laughs> All righty. This one is from uh, Sir David Alt. It sounds familiar. Mm, no, not quite making the connection. But all right. Um, let's see. We should have David in more episodes! Exclamation point. Oh, that opportunistic little limey gobshite. You've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. Ugh. I'm disgusted. I feel sick. I feel sick. I guess I should say it one more time because that's all I am. I'm just a, I'm just I'm told what to do and I do it. We should have David Alt in more episodes. We should have David Alt in more episodes. Or, no, his last name isn't in the line. Okay. We should have David in more episodes. Fine. Okay, David. We can hear your fantastic American accent that I've been hearing about for the past week. <laughs> David. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's my foot. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm having Chinese. Goodbye. <laughs> there <is> the house. <laughs> um, <clears throat> we'd like to uh, apologize to our our listeners from the United Kingdom. Uh, there was a, a slur in there. I, I think it went out live, so uh, we're very sorry. Uh, 
Uh, okay. Uh, keeping with this theme, though, I thought maybe we'd do some shout-outs to some other Twitter activity real quick. Um, so we did ask for some questions. If anybody ever had a question, they could ask us. So I'm going to uh, go to a question from uh, Ian Patterson. Uh, it goes by the Twitter handle at Cybmaster12. It's the master mm. of Cybe, whatever that is. Uh, his question was, so, given the whole butcher thing, is this one big world between seasons? Question mark. Hmm. Who would like to answer that question? Probably Aww. Andrew. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, it is. Uh, when we, yeah, when we originally set out, no, um, we kind of we wanted to be able to basically build a universe um in this crazy rude alchemy way um and uh so those keen-eared listeners who caught that uh Nigel Bagwell w- is in uh Bruff Taxwin and Butcher Bagwell um from Carver Cranebottom that they are indeed um the universe is is one um and that's the plan for you know for the whole shebang with each season there is going to be some kind of connective tissue between all of it <clears throat> and you might not catch it or notice it or care about it um at a at first glance or listen but um but that's but it all it is all intentional we are trying to keep it um a little bit of unity um from season to season so excellent answer um ian then asks a follow-up question <clears throat> he says also can we start a kickstarter for buying the guy what plays bruff a new microphone <laughs> and I think there was some follow up to that. Tom, do you want to speak to that at all? I have no response to that right now. <laughs> I try really, really hard. I try really hard. Tom, you're doing and, wonderfully. And Your my technological more than skills. Yeah, well, somebody has to carry this thing. <laughs> uh, and. To just finish up with Twitter right now, uh, we did also ask for... Um, and you know what? You know what, by the way? Yes, we should start a Kickstarter. We should start a Kickstarter. That'd be great. I would love a new microphone. Thank you. That's a good idea. So yes okay. is the answer. Yes. Doesn't Please. doesn't Andy have the same microphone as you, Tom? Yes, or, I do. Uh, <laughs> I, th- I think his microphone cut out there, Ryan. <laughs> okay. Uh, so anyway, to finish up with Twitter, um, we asked. I'm sorry, you, Tom. I'm sorry. After after a, a you're a, dead to me. A previous episode of Chatter and Lore, we had a battle between um, Bruff and Carver. Um, the seasons battled each other in a death match, and then we asked Twitter users to weigh in with who they thought should win with either Team Carver or Team Bruff. It's unanimous course that it's team carver uh yeah we have from i'm thinking it's i'm gonna pronounce it lay or possibly lee probably lee it's lee it is lee Lee. it's lee i'm Lee. I'm an idiot lee paradise uh who is at ringed dragon lee says team carver because he's still carrying that damn knife in his pocket and you know what we that's absolutely (laughs) right we did not bring that up um and, and then ian our good friend ian uh, responded. Ian Patterson. Ian Patterson. Ian Patterson. He's back the, again. The master of the yeah. master of the side. Right, side master. Responded with also because didn't he unleash some eldritch horror and end the world? Uh, 
Or did he? Exactly. You'll find out in season two of Carver Crane Bottom Bone Detective, won't you? Yes. Hey, uh, Andy, can you go yeah. ahead and spell uh, this? Uh, w- w- what is he the master of? Sibe. S-I-B-E. Sibe. S-I-B-E as in boy? Yes. Yep. Sibe. Sibe. I know what that is. And the first person, is their last name Paradise? That's what I heard. Paradise? That's it is Lee. It's Lee Paradise. She's, she's a lovely Lee Paradise. I know Lee. And she loves the show, and uh, and obviously she loves Carver Cranebottom too. So I think that that's that's all good that's in my book. And I just wanted to because say because it is just oh, go ahead. <clears throat> no, I was just saying it really is just about a comp- being a competition between the character that I play and a character that Tom plays, and the fact that's that my character all it comes down to came out on top is is the is the reason to celebrate. Sure. It certainly is not an indication that our second season is worse than our first season. No, 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 no. <laughs> That is not Absolutely. what this is an indication. I don't know. No. <laughs> no, we're only getting better. <clears throat> hmm. uh, the last thing is that our 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 favorite Briton, David Alt, uh, did chime in as well. Team Carver all the way. He says in his good old hashtag. Dave. Yep. Good David. old David. I hope David likes the view from when he stabbed me in the back. Oh. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> too much? Was that too much? <sighs> I think it's okay. Uh, okay, cool. So we did that. Um, and yeah. Do you guys want to go around and, and give a takeaway from Bruff Tax Win Sky Sailor, or should we just get to the Do you the know story? what you're doing right now? Do you know what you're giving up on this episode of Chatter and Lore, Andy? I feel like you're winging it, Andy, a little bit. I feel like Andy Before we have these up. nice printed out scripts. And... <laughs> the last couple of Chatter and Lores have been great, and, and I don't know All what right. he's doing now. All right. Well, we'll just do this. We'll do this <clears> segment quickly. I just thought, I know Tom has to get to bed. It's 9 12. He has to get to bed in three minutes. So, um, uh, but normally we. As is our custom here on Chatter and Lore, we always talk about our current season. Uh, in this case, it would be our season that just passed, Bruff Taxwind Sky Sailor. I thought we could go around the panel and each express one takeaway from our current, from our, our second season. One takeaway. Um, Ryan. Um, well, after the, you know, the first first season, I was, you know, I got to the end. I was like, well, you know what? I think I could partake in the... Uh, the writing process of this, you know, but then as Bruff hit and the writing just got exponentially better, in my opinion, I was like, no, nah, no, nah, let me, let me sit, let me sit, sit on the sidelines for another season. <laughs> <laughs> no, but contrary to what we just said, I, I thought it's, uh, the writing is, I think we're developing kind of a, uh, uh, a real signature root alchemy sound. So I thought it was a, uh, a step in the right direction for us. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why we wanted to do this was also to be able to grow as as uh, creators, as writers, as voice actors. You know, <clears throat> the only way you get good at anything is just by doing it. So, doing this project is really a way for us to come together and, and work on stuff together, and hopefully get better at all of it. You know, and we got, and we, you know, I, I think I agree. I think the writing did get better. I think we we're we're it's, it's we're learning. You know, like we're learning what we think <clears throat> what we think is funny and what we're finding other people think is funny yeah. and you know, how to tell, how to tell serial stories, um, that can swing between being, having some kind of emotional depth and being totally ridiculous poop jokes. So here, here. Most deaf. <coughs> Tom, do you got any takeaways? Uh, yeah, kind of the same thing. Uh, I think, uh, as soon as the second season premiered, the people that I had spoken with who, uh, listened to our show the most said that, um, 
they could immediately tell that we were far more comfortable with it. And, uh, you know, we're just having more fun and just uh, we were able to just drop right into it. Um, I thought the second season, the the world that we built was um, a little bit more interesting and a little bit more fun. The whole idea of these sky ships and uh, this new and different mode of transportation that had uh, that existed in this alternate world that we developed. I, I thought we had explored that alternate universe a little bit more in the second season. And uh, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Absolutely. I also love that we added that we gave the narrator um, <laughs> a, a buddy or a, or, an, or a nemesis, depending on what moment it is. The, we actually wanted to we wanted to include Courtney. Courtney was one of the things that actually popped up <clears throat> in the very early stages of of creating the show. Um, but but by the time I think it just worked out that we had already had a couple episodes of Carver written, and we went well we really want to have a clean start with Courtney. We didn't want to kind of just squeeze Courtney into the middle of, of uh, Carver Cranebottom. So he wait, we waited, and I think right, rightly so, <clears throat> until the fresh start with Bruff. And uh, I, Courtney just kills me um, <laughs> consistently. <clears throat> I don't know if anyone else has any thoughts about Courtney, but I, just, I, it's, it's, I think it's, it's probably helpful for, for Ryan, too, to have someone... Oh, some to, tension. Oh, absolutely. To, to play yes, against, absolutely. you know, conflict. <laughs> It's a lot more interesting to to play. Aside from all the inner conflict of of like your you know <laughs> your neuroses, and somehow Courtney mm. makes them worse. I don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> He's all that the narrator isn't. He or she. You know what's so she yeah. You know what's she, so yes. funny. But he's, sometimes but you guys she, slip into sometimes you guys slip into referring to Courtney as a he, and I, it has always been a she for me. Interesting. It's, I've never. In fact, it wasn't until we had a discussion a few weeks ago as to like, well, is it a, is it a is it a male or a female uh, that I realized? Oh, Courtney is also could be a male. It was always a woman, like always. Oh, see, I think I love that it, we can just leave it up to the listener to yeah, decide you're right. whether totally what, what Courtney. I, I can tell you why I or, say he, and it's not connected to the play by any means. <laughs> if anyone has seen the movie In the Heat of the Night, should I should I go into this? I don't know if I should go. <laughs> <laughs> it's with uh it, go ahead that's with, this is the chatter part of chatter and more sydney, this is the sydney, sydney Poitier, right? and uh rod steiger or steiger i think it's steiger um he gets angry at one point they had first they had arrested um sydney Poitier for they thought he had killed this man and so rod steiger is really angry because he finds out that he's a police officer and uh oh no, no wait a minute hold on he makes a phone call. He needs to make a long-distance phone call. And the guy on the phone who's like the operator, his name is Courtney. <laughs> so when I, when I hear the name Courtney, I always think of that guy in <laughs> that Rod Steiger is getting angry at because wow. because Courtney is actually so just, listening to his phone call. <laughs> He's like this like bumbling operator slash deputy in a southern town. Uh, so See, that's, that's interesting, Ryan, because image. I always – maybe it was just the way you were playing it, but I always thought there was this just subtle hint – of sexual tension there, so it's interesting that you think that Courtney's a male. Uh, well, still, there's still there's still gonna be sexual tension if it's if it's a if it's a a fem- if it's a male or if it's a female. You're absolutely I right. That, I just want to point out. The, I think I think of the narrator as a kind of androgynous, <laughs> a, asexual kind of like. You I'd know, say more omnisexual. I'd say omnisexual. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. All all like things he, can be a sexual object. Like he there. he finds he he finds beauty in you know beetle shells and you know the the bark of a tree and right. everything and good good back scratches you know like a good you know after a long day <laughs> just like a good strong back scratch from Courtney you know 
Yeah. Uh, I also feel like he's probably into pain, but you know, <laughs> maybe that's just me. <laughs> I caused my own sickled left foot. Through <laughs> oh. <laughs> some sick experiment. Uh, all right, that's enough. And, Andy, I do want right. to ask, though. Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah. No, no. Go ahead. Well, you were, you were, you wrote the fifth and, and final episode for this, right? Yes. Can you, can you, I mean, cause I'm in the dark too. I mean, can you, can Oh, you, the, the, the final outro. Yeah. Yet? Yeah. I mean, I'm just, you know, <laughs> Hey, I trust sure. you to make the right decisions and everything. I mean, what's, what's in store? Is it, are we done? Think, is it, or is it, I think we're going to, I think you're going to have to wait for season three, right? Okay. All right. I just, I don't want, I just, I don't, you know, it's just, you get, a, you get accustomed, you're going to miss, a, you're going to miss Courtney accustomed to something, you know, and, uh, you know, <laughs> and, you know, yeah, yeah. Well, the only thing I'll say is that, and this is not, this is not necessarily what is exactly happening, but, uh, I think there's a part of what we do where we need to sort of self cannibalize or, mm. you know, fall back on like if we establish a convention i think it behooves us to also destroy that convention at some point okay that doesn't mean that's exactly what's happening here but i think at least calling attention to it you know uh you know absolutely is, is something that we are going to do a lot okay that kind of thing. absolutely right. that's that's good enough for me Now that we've covered chatter, it's time for lore. This episode, we have one story to share. It's from Tom. He wrote this story ahead of time. The only criteria we gave him was that the story be set in the Bruff universe during a time that is not inside the immediate storyline. Take it away, Tom. I appreciate, Andy, that you pointed out that I wrote the story ahead of time as opposed to writing it while I'm reading it. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> is that what you really were doing? I think he was trying to make fun of Andy. It's kind of a Tom thing he does. Oh, Tom making fun of Andy. Okay, mm-hmm. sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Here we go. <clears throat> this is uh, going to be a, a a blog thing as well. So I'm going to go going to go the cane oh, route. Sweet. Ooh. Donald Davies. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't ready. Wasn't ready. <laughs> got, got an issue Donald here with Davies the, with to the be continued. Okay, here we go. Donald Davies stood before the tall door and removed his bowler's cap. His neck angled upwards as his eyes rose along the hundreds of tiny friezes carved into, the, into its wood. Each panel depicted a scene that he could only think of as beautiful butchery. Here, a woman's leg being eaten by a small alligator while she screamed. Or was she laughing? There, two naked male leprechauns playing checkers with human teeth. (laughs) Davies then looked straight ahead and saw in the center of the door directly at his eye level a panel depicting a man with smooth, undistinguished features staring back at him. The man wore a bowler's cap, and around his neckline appeared the same styled coat he himself wore right now. Ridiculous, he thought. A trick of the light. This door was... Excuse me? This doorway was a thousand years old, at least. The figure was likely made to appear the same to all who saw it, 
Not unlike a Rorschach painting, a man saw himself where there was nothing more than a nondescript figure. This was a rational explanation, one that made perfect sense. Yet still, a quiet certainty could not be shaken. That was him in the wood, staring back at himself. Suddenly, a feeling of dread swept over him. He leaned away from the door and began to turn his back to it. The torch he held in his hand cast its weak light down the tunnel he had emerged from. He knew what lay that way. Nothing. Davies had passed his point of no return long ago. With a hard swallow and a deep breath, he turned back to the door and stared at the man in the center freeze directly in his cold, wooden eyes. It had been ten months since the investigation into the crash of the Atlantean concluded. The official story was that the terrorist group known as Europa's, Europa's Horn had commandeered the ship with the intention of destroying the priceless art stowed aboard for some type of protest. Something went wrong and the greatest airship to ever fly was destroyed in a blistering inferno. Since it occurred over the Atlantic Ocean, there was little physical evidence to aid in the investigation. What little was found was tied up in a petty struggle between the U.S. and England as to which party would lead the investigation. Donald oversaw the majority of the U.S. portion, which consisted mainly of attending meetings to hear experts bloviate about what probably occurred. In the end, many questions were left unanswered, and almost no one believed the official story in its entirety. But most agreed it was true enough, and with a lack of physical findings, it was likely all they'd ever know. Donald took a different approach. He didn't believe any of it. Europa's horn was aboard, that was certain. And something went wrong, of course. But that was hardly the whole of it. There was another piece of evidence, a piece of evidence all parties involved ignored. The body. What were the chances that a body falling from 15,000 feet in the air would land on, a, on an area no larger than that of the tip of a pin when compared to the rest of... Excuse me. When compared to the vast emptiness of the Atlantic Ocean? Minuscule. Yet that is exactly what happened, and Donald knew it. The story of a body falling onto the deck of a small boat spread like wildfire. Upon realizing no one was taking the story seriously, Donald decided to investigate it himself. The fisherman, Joseph Plenovich, had stored the mostly splattered body on ice he normally reserved for fish. According to his Eastern European custom, he, would not dispose, he could not dispose of the body in the ocean and was waiting until he hit land to bury it properly. Once he boarded the small boat, Donald examined the body, but wasn't able to make a positive ID. Hunched over the rotting corpse, he couldn't help but be disappointed. So, this is it, huh? Asked Donald. This is the body that goes splat. All over the deck it goes splat. Very unnerving to have body go splat on deck of boat while fish catching is being attempted. Replied Joseph. <laughs> Well, doesn't look like there's much I can get out of him now. Just dumb luck that he landed on your boat when the airship exploded. This is not what is correct, Joseph replied excitedly. Splat body here go splat when falling before ship go boom. Boom ship with fire happened two hours after body splat go splat. <laughs> Davies stood from his crouching position and looked to Joseph for clarification. Joseph looked intently back at Davies, but said nothing more. The two men stood there, looking at each other, as if waiting for the other to have some moment of epiphany. Neither did. David, oh, excuse me, Donald eventually spoke. So, 
if the body fell two hours before the ship go boom, uh, before the Atlantean exploded, <laughs> then that means something had happened before whatever incident on the Atlantean took place. This seems like obvious response, Joseph said, like a dick. <laughs> Davies looked down at the horrendously disfigured and flattened corpse. From underneath the dead man's back, a glint of some silver object caught his eye. Delicately, he reached under the pile of mush that was this dead man and removed a slender, silver canister, not more than a foot in length. He turned it over in his hand and saw no discernible features. There was nothing that would indicate what it was, and it had no visible latches of any kind. All that Donald could see was a Latin phrase etched in its side. Ex nihilo nihil fit omnis. Donald pondered over what the meaning of the phrase was. He never noticed Joseph reading over his shoulder. <laughs> Wish I spoke Latin, he said. From nothing comes all, translated Joseph. <laughs> you speak Latin? I am Eastern European fisherman. Eighteen languages I talk. <laughs> what does one have? What does one thing have to do with the other? Donald asked, perplexed. This question is not understood to me. It just seems that being an Eastern European fisherman and speaking eighteen languages would be two separate characteristics, independent of one another. Perhaps even that you are a fisherman would make it less likely that you'd have such a vast array of languages you're able to speak. Joseph replied. Fish. <laughs> well, thanks for your help, Donald replied quickly before moving to his small motorized raft tied to the fishing vessel. As he climbed aboard and began to start the engine, Joseph appeared at the edge of the boat. France, you go. France, Davies asked. Why the hell would I go to France? France canister, France boom, France go to now you are. Joseph replied. Donald tried not to let his growing frustration show. Sir, I have no idea what you're talking about, and I have no idea what this canister is. I'll have some of the experts assisting in our investi investigation take a gander and see if they can't figure out its purpose, and then I'll see where that takes me. This is not good brain thoughts. A canister will not be good in others' hands. Donald looked at the man suspiciously. How would a fisherman in the middle of the ocean who spoke 18 different languages and just had a body fault out of the sky unexpectedly know anything about this canister? Davies felt a sneaking suspicion that something was amiss. What do you know of this canister, Mr. Plenovich? And who exactly are you? Something tells me you're no ordinary fisherman. A small smile crept across Joseph's face, and he leaned over the railing of his boat and spoke, and spoke softly to the detective. Today, it suits me to be a fisherman. So, oh, voila, I am. Shit. A chill ran down Davy's spine. Mm -hmm. This man was an imposter of some kind. But why? Why would anyone pretend to be a lonely fisherman in the middle of the ocean? Who was he? Before he could, a before he could seek answers to any of these questions, Joseph quickly untied the rope that held the raft to Donald's ship. He then dipped his right leg overboard and pushed the raft out while also tilting the propeller into the water, causing the raft to quickly speed away from the boat. Donald immediately lost his balance and fell face first into the raft. As he stumbled to stand up and confront Joseph, the raft had already traveled some twenty yards over the water. He screamed over the motor, Who are you? His reply came quickly, 
Your quest will end in France. With that, the fishing boat exploded. Oh my god. Something happened that day. Something changed inside of Donald Davies. He reached the ocean liner that he and his team of investigators had been living on for the last several days and abruptly quit his post. He answered no questions and discussed what happened on the fishing boat with no one. He only knew he needed to get to France. And quickly. Ten months later. Thousands of miles traveled, hundreds of dead ends, dozens of mysteries explored, and more than a few nights spent digging in crypts. And Davies now found himself standing before this oak door. He began his journey with a clean-shaven face and was told, more often than not by his physician, that he could stand to lose a few pounds. Now, his beard tickled his chest, and his gaunt figure made most who saw him believe that he was starving to death. Davies cared nothing for his appearance or anything else in the world. His obsession to know what purpose this canister served, who the fisherman was, and why he was chosen, as he believed himself to have been, grew inside of him quickly and became the driving force in his life. He stared at the face carved into the door and smiled. It was him. Of this, he was certain. And he was no longer scared. He reached his empty hand forward and placed it on the cold, ancient door. Then, he pushed. That's the end of part one. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> Fantastic. Two, two, oh, I can't wait for part two. <clears throat> gonna have to go to the blog on rootalchemy.com. Uh, once, yeah, that blog is gonna be rich with sequel stories. <laughs> oh, it's just gonna be, it's gonna be a delight. <sighs> I cannot god. Oh, Tangier. Who is, is he? Who he, is he? I don't know. Or what is he? I don't know. So many unanswered questions. Beautiful story, Tom. I'm super Good pumped. Good story. For uh, the, the next thing. Thank you. Excellent. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us for Rude Alchemy Chatter and Lore. Bruff Tax Win Sky Sailor. I'm on the wrong thing. Is, <clears throat> is done, is done as <laughs> at this point. Uh, but uh, we will be starting season three on what date, Andrew? June 28th. Season three. And we'll do some sort of announcement at some point about what that might be. We'll tease it out. We're going to we'll tease, tease it out, out a little bit. Tease it out a little bit. So, again, thanks for joining us. Um, Please be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, ask us some questions. We'd love to hear from you. Very good chance we'll answer your question on Chatter and Laura, just like we did on this episode. Uh, and as always, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. Thanks again. It helps us. It, uh, helps. it helps us a lot to do that. Thank, thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks. See you Thanks, for everybody. season three. Yeah. I guess Ryan doesn't want to thank them. <laughs> oh. Sorry, I fell asleep during Tom's story. CPAP machine. (laughs) (laughs) Also, subscribe, rate, and review.
it's Andy again. I'm just going to jump in here with a quick plug before the credits. As you know, from time to time, we like to point you in the direction of some other great audio dramas. And today I'd like to tell you a little bit about a new favorite of ours, Scald. No, I don't mean Scald like what happens to your hand when you touch a hot stove, or what happens to your eyes when you see Tom naked. In this context, a Scald was a Scandinavian bard who entertained courts with heroic tales. The Scald Podcast is a serialized sword and sorcery tale designed to be heard, not read. Aubrey Sitterson, who you heard in an awesome cameo as the Laughing Pirate in Bruff, Episode 5, writes and records every episode himself in one single, flawless take. The vibe is like Conan the Barbarian as told by the Ultimate Warrior, and a new episode drops every Thursday morning. Search for Scald on iTunes or Stitcher, find it at scald.podomatic.com, or just head to aubreycitizen.com and tell them Rude Alchemy sent you. Rude Alchemy is Mr. Thomas Hodgkin, Mr. Andrew Kane, Mr. Andy Wertner, and Mr. Ryan Whalen. This episode's story, written by Mr. Hodgkin. Episode edited by Mr. Wertner. Intro and outro music by Old Town Wake. All other music composed by Mr. Benjamin J. Robb. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. <laughs> goodbye. So now we have to do the old goodbye thing again. No, well, we'll try one more, one more time. Oh, should we be like so long or goodbye or? No, you, you ruined everything. I think. Oh, <laughs> we got it. Oh, okay. So long. Oh, stopping. <laughs> Please end it with that. Please end it with that. It needs to end like just the burp and a hard cut on the burp, like just before the burp's over with. Just like just before, just cut it on that. Oh, come on! Oh. It's finally happened. Local psychiatrists have joined together to give you not only the best in psychiatric care, but in shopping convenience too. Yes, introducing Psychiatrists Mall, where you can find mental health and outstanding bargains at the same time. Ladies, looking for that perfect negligee? Come to Freudian Slips. But be careful, sometimes things just pop out when you least expect it. How about a lovable pet to rid yourself of stress? Check out Pavlov's Dogs. Animals so cute you're mouth will water. You say your car has stopped running? Then relax while the mechanics at Nervous Breakdown look under your car's hood while your psychiatrist looks under yours. And finally, look at all the beautiful hand-woven luggage at The Basket Case. Get inside our mall and we'll get inside your head. <laughs>